So good morning to you, FritzBergenBloodAndFaith.com. We are live, live on Podbean, FritzReport.Podbean.com. You can also go to Blood and Faith. Always go to BloodandFaith.com, and you can see what I've done, what I've recorded, videos, articles, podcasts. You can subscribe to my podcast, Fritz Report. .podbean.com, or just get it all at bloodandfaith.com. I'm also on Twitter, X, at Blood and Faith, and also on Gab. I like Gab. I like what Andrew Torva has done and is doing. Anyway, this Sunday morning, this beautiful Sunday morning, we're going to talk, uh, we're going to walk through the second letter of Paul to the Thessalonians, otherwise known as Second Thessalonians. Lord, bless this time and bless this podcast this morning. In Jesus' name. Thessalonia was a city in Europe. It was a city in what is now called Greece. It was a European city. Very interesting. Very interesting. First Thess- Second Thessalonians 1 verse 1. Paul and Sylvanus to Timothy. <clears throat> Paul and Sylvanus and Timothy to the church of the Thessalonians in God our Father in the Lord Jesus Christ. This was a letter to the Thessalonians. <clears throat> it was a letter to a European church. It's very interesting when you read through all the epistles. The epistles are letters written by Paul and Peter and John and maybe another person or two out there, <clears throat> Jude. And they're written to either individuals, Timothy, or they're written to cities or their general letters all of the places are written to cities written to churches in a geographic area were written to european churches every one of them <clears throat> there is no epistle to the church in jerusalem there is no epistle to the church in judea there is no epistle to the church in africa there is no epistle epistle to the church in ethiopia or india places where the apostles went the apostles went to india apostles went to ethiopia the apostles went to egypt the apostles went to uh, uh, Arabia, and of course they started in Jerusalem. There is no epistle to those churches. All the epistles written to churches in places are written to European churches. Imagine that. Isn't that Eurocentric, Eurocentric, ethnocentric? Yeah, it is, on purpose. Why is it that all of the epistles were written to, and only to, only to European churches? All of the epistles in the Bible were written to European churches that were written to different cities. There is no epistle written to a church in a city in any place other than in Europe. Even the the epistles that were written to places that are in what is called Asia Minor, those were European colonies. They were all European colonies. Asia Minor was a European colony, but Greeks and the Romans settled what is now Western Turkey. In the book of Revelation, <clears throat> there's the letters to the seven churches. You've noticed that, right? You've read that, right? You've gone to your uh, seminars on Revelation in your church, right? 15-week seminar on the book of Revelation. Isn't it interesting that all the letters to the churches in the book of Revelation are written to European churches, every one of them? They're only written to European churches. They're, they're not written to anywhere else. They're not written to any church in Judea or Jerusalem. They're not written to any church in Africa. They're not written to any church in in Arabia or India. They're only written to the churches in Europe. Huh, huh. 
Hmm, isn't that interesting? Oh, I can hear you now. Oh, that doesn't matter. That's just, oh, it doesn't. No, it sure matters. Everything matters. By the way, what language is, is Paul writing in? What language is he writing in? He's writing in a European language. He's writing in a European tongue. Have you noticed that every single scripture written since the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead is written in a European language? The Bible's not written in Chinese or Ethiopian. It's not written in, in Amharic. And I'm not saying Aramaic. I'm saying an African language. It's not written in uh, uh, Swahili. It's only written in Greek. It's only written in the predominant European tongue. That's it. That's the only language it's written in. It's written to Europeans. The Bible is written to Europeans. It's all written in a European tongue. Surely they could have written something in Arabic, but they didn't. Surely they could have written something in Hindi, but they didn't. Surely they could have written something in Chinese, but they didn't. The gospel of Jesus Christ is very explicitly targeted to the Europeans. Not exclusively, but explicitly. Remember in the book of John? Remember the book of John? <clears throat> the Greeks come up. They come up to the apostles and they said, we seek to see Jesus. We want to see Jesus. And Jesus Christ says, okay, now's the time. Now it's time for me to glorify. What's he going to be glorified? How's he going to be glorified? He's going to be glorified through the churches in Europe, through his people in Europe, through his people in Europe. Where did the 12 tribes go? Well, did the 12 tribes of, of Israel, the biological offspring of Israel, they went to Europe. They went to Europe. James 1, 1. James 1, 2. To, to the 12 tribes scattered abroad. They were there. They were there. They were there. They got scattered about. Where'd they go? They went to Europe. They went to Europe. Why do you think Paul went to Europe? Why do you think all the most of the apostles ended up in Europe at one time or another? They all end up in Europe. All right. See that? We're gonna have, this is going to be a long sermon if I, if I take that much time on the first verse. Verse 2, 2 Thessalonians 1. Grace to you and peace from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace to you and peace. He's praying for peace. Who is he praying for peace for? He's praying for peace to you, to the European church, the European Christian church. He's praying for peace to the European Christian church. Grace and peace to you. Huh, huh. Where did we hear this before? Oh, I don't know. Psalms 122, verse 6. You ever heard that? Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. I heard it all my life. Oh, we got to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. The Bible commands us to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Got to pray. For, and I, I looked this up. There's a whole article at Christianity.com on praying for the peace of Jerusalem. Six ways you can pray for the peace of Jerusalem. And it never crosses their minds, never crosses their mind one time that there's nobody in the Bible, nobody in the Greek Bible, nobody in the New Testament that ever prayed for the peace of a dusty city in the Middle East. Not once. Paul, Peter, John never, ever, ever prayed for the peace of a dusty city in the Middle East. Never prayed for it. Did not. In fact, one of the last words of Jesus Christ was to curse that city. He cursed Jerusalem. Jesus Christ curses Jerusalem as he's going to the cross. So don't weep for me. Don't weep for me. Do not weep for me. You weep for yourselves. You weep for yourselves. There, there's no apostle. There's no epistle. 
There's no gospel where you pray for Jerusalem, the dusty city in the Middle East. Who are they praying for? They're praying for the church, the European Christian church. In every single one of the gospels, in every, in every, excuse me, in every single one of the epistles, the, the prayer is for the church in Jesus Christ. By the way, they're all two of the European churches in Jesus Christ. Romans, Corinthians, Thessalonians. Interesting, interesting. Fact, fact, all written in a European tongue. Fact. There, there's nowhere in, in Thessalonians or Timothy or James or the Revelation or, the, or, or anywhere where they pray for a dusty city in the Middle East. doesn't exist. <clears throat> Surely those people understood uh, Psalms 122, verse 6, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. And they were praying for the only Jerusalem that matters, those of us in Jesus Christ. In every one of the epistles, there's a prayer of peace for the church. There's a prayer of peace for those of us in Jesus Christ. And it happens to be that all the epistles are written to European churches. All those epistles are written in a European language. This, this is why the Jews hate the Europeans in the white race. They are antichrist, and we are of Christ. We're going to get to that in a minute, about the great falling away, the great apostasy. <clears throat> we always ought to give thanks to God for you, brethren. It is only fitting. Because your faith is greatly enlarged, and the love of each one of you towards one another grows greater. <clears throat> Therefore, we speak proudly of you among the churches of God for your perseverance and faith in the midst of all your persecutions and the afflictions in which you endure. One of the uh, signal events, one of the signal, uh, signal identity factors of the Christian church in the Bible is the suffering and the persecution they undergo. Now, there was a time in Europe... There was a time in Europe, <clears throat> yeah, maybe this isn't even a true statement, but there was a time in Europe where you could say that you were a Christian and everything was good and fine because Europe becomes Christendom. It literally becomes Christendom. Europe is the faith. The faith is Europe. Europe becomes Christendom. It's the, it's the people of Jesus Christ. That's why you have the Christian flags in all the northern European countries. Europe becomes Christianized. You listen to uh, 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 Vladimir Putin the other day. Talks about when the leader, the Russian leader, gets baptized, on, not only on his own behalf, but on behalf of his entire people, his entire race. They become a Christian people. Europe becomes Christendom. <clears throat> but since about, I don't know, with the rise of the so-called enlightenment, really the darkening, Certainly in 2024, you can only be a good Christian if you agree with the beast and the Antichrist. And we're going to cover that. We're going to get there. Second chapter. <clears throat> if you say things, if you sing out of tune, if you say things contrary to the dominant narrative of the beast and the man of lawlessness and the whore that rides the beast, they're going to come after you. I posted this morning, if... if, if if you have peace with the people that call themselves Jews, the question is why? Is your mouth shut? <clears throat> is your mouth shut? 
Therefore, we ourselves speak proudly of you among the churches of God for your perseverance in faith in the midst of your persecutions and afflictions which you endure. This is a plain indication of God's righteous, righteous judgment so that you will be considered worthy of the kingdom of God for which indeed you are suffering. I've mentioned this many times. The purpose of life is to endure a trial. The purpose of life is to have a trial. The purpose of life is not to avoid a trial. And oh God, don't we pray, oh Lord, deliver me from evil. And yeah, that's the Lord's prayer, deliver us from evil. But not from trials. Jesus Christ didn't want to go through trials either. Let's, let's remember that. He's, he's a garden of Gethsemane. He's, he's, he's sweating blood. He says, Lord, let this cup pass from me. God the Father says, no. No, it's not going to pass from you. It's not going to pass from you. You're going to go through this stuff. Get up off your knees. Get ready. They're coming for you, Jesus. Get ready. You're not, I'm not answering your prayer to save you from this hour of trial. Not going to do it, Jesus. You really think he's going to save you and me from our hour of trial? That's the purpose of life. The whole purpose of life is to have this hour of trial and to suffer for his sake, to see whether or not you got it in you. Do you got it in you? Do you got it in you? You want to serve Jesus Christ or not? You want a free heaven candy or are you going to serve Jesus Christ? The whole purpose of life is to have a trial and to suffer. <clears throat> in the midst of your persecutions and afflictions which you endure, this is a plain indication of God's righteous judgment so that you will be considered worthy of the kingdom of God for which indeed you are suffering. If you're not suffering, you're not worthy of the kingdom of God. If you're not suffering for the name of Jesus Christ, you're not worthy of the kingdom of God. You're not. And if the world loves you, dude, you need a wake-up call. You need to go look in a mirror and say, what, what's wrong with me? If the world loves you, if the Jews love you, what is wrong with you? What is wrong? Don't you know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? <clears throat> so that you will be considered worthy of the kingdom of God, for which indeed you are suffering. You are suffering. Man, if you're not suffering, you need to go sign up. You need to get in line for some suffering. You say, God, I need some suffering. Please, I need some suffering. I'm not suffering. Something's wrong. Something's wrong if, I, if you're not suffering. And I don't mean because you got a disease. For, for, for the kingdom of God. After all, it is only just for God to repay with affliction those who afflict you. Ooh, listen to this. This is to all those who say that Jesus is a loving and forgiving God. Exclusively. After all, it is only just for God to repay with affliction. For God to repay with affliction those who afflict you. It is only just for God to repay with affliction those who afflict you and give relief to you who are afflicted and to us as well when the Lord Jesus will be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire dealing out a retribution dealing out retribution dealing out retribution who to who to those who do not know God and to those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Jesus Christ will be revealed in fire with his angels dealing out retribution to those who do not know God and do not obey the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Who, who are some examples of those people? And I know you're thinking, oh, it's the pedophiles and it's, it's the mass murderers, it's the Hitlers and the Stalins and the Maos. It's the Jews, baby, it's the Jews. They don't know God. They, the Jews do not know God. And they disobey the gospel of Jesus Christ, as do the Muslims, as do the atheists, 
as do the, the child molesters and everybody else on your list. Dealing out retribution to, those who, retribution to those who do not know God and those who do not obey the gospel of the Lord Jesus. These will pay the penalty of eternal destruction. Okay, this is the gospel of Jesus Christ. They will pay the, 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 the penalty of eternal destruction. Eternal destruction. Eternal destruction. And that's one thing you don't hear anymore. You don't hear that. You don't even hear that in the pulpits. Eternal destruction for those who don't know God and the Jews do not know God. If you reject the Son, you reject the Father. If you reject the Son, if you reject Jesus Christ as the Jews do, you don't know the Father. You don't know the Father. Oh, but they're good people. You don't know the Father. And those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, they're all going to they're, they're going to suffer the retribution and these will pay the penalty of eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. This is 2 Thessalonians chapter 1 verse 9. <clears throat> when he comes who? Jesus, to be glorified in his saints on that day. In his saints on that day. And to be marveled at among all who have believed, for our testimony to you was believed. To this end we also pray for you always that our God will count you worthy of your calling and fulfill every desire for goodness in the work of faith with power. The work of faith with power. This is the victory that overcometh the world, even thy faith. How do we overcome the evil one? The blood of the Lamb, the word of our testimony, and not loving our lives even unto death. The blood of the Lamb's been provided. The blood of the Lamb's been provided. What's left for us to provide? The word of our testimony and not loving our life unto death. People are afraid to give the word of their testimony because, well, right here, 2 Thessalonians, there's, there's suffering involved. There's suffering involved. Unless, of course, the world loves you. And then you've got to ask, why does the world love you? Why would a, a, an antichrist people love you? Why would an antichrist people love, love you? Why is that? Is it because you keep your mouth shut? Why is that? Are you praying for a, a dusty city or are you praying for the church of God in Christ? Don't ever pray for that dusty city in the Middle East. The, the apostles didn't. Paul didn't. John didn't. Jesus Christ cursed that city. Cursed it. Cursed it. So that the name of our Lord Jesus Christ will be glorified in you and you in him according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. Chapter 2. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. My Bible has a title here. It's called The Man of Lawlessness. People like this stuff. They like this. They learn about the Antichrist and the man of lawlessness. And, and my thesis, is, if you've been listening to me for any length of time, is this. It's all here now. It ain't coming. It ain't, it ain't around the corner. It's not around the bend. It's not next year. It's not next month. It's not next week. It's not next decade. It's here now. Been here. Been here. Been here. And we're going to walk through this in 2 Thessalonians. Where's this Antichrist? I don't see that. No, it's here. Antichrist is here. Well, the Bible talks about the Antichrist. It says, hey, the, it, it's, it's here now. 2,000 years ago it was here. The man of lawlessness is here now. It says, even now the spirit of this lawlessness is already at work. It says it right here. We're going to go through this. And my thesis is this. If you can't find, if you can't fight the spirit of lawlessness that's here now and the man of sin that's here now, if you can't fight the Antichrist that's here now, for you're living in a fantasy world that you're going to fight them next week or next month or next year or next decade when this theoretical person shows up. 
Uh, and, and this theoretical person could very well show up. But if you can't fight the man of lawlessness that's here now, the Antichrist that's here now in our presence, you ain't gonna, you're, you're, you're living in a fantasy that you think you're going to stand up and be brave next week or next month or next year. You're not. You're not going to. If you can't fight the spirit of lawlessness here now, the Antichrist that's here now, the Antichrist people that rule now, that rule now, the whore that rides the beast now, the beast that's in the world now, you're not going to fight one that's coming next week or next month or next year. Simple. <clears throat> now, we regard, we request you, brethren, with regard to the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ in our gathering together to Him. <clears throat> I have no dispute with the idea that there's a, a physical second coming of Jesus Christ. I got no dispute with that. I mean, it, it seems pretty clear to me here. Maybe, maybe I got something wrong. I'm not the end-all and be-all of, 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 of Christian theology. But it says in verse 7, when the Lord Jesus Christ will be, future tense, will be, will be, future tense, revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire. Now, I have an idea on what, uh, what the preterist may think about that, and that's fine. I mean, they could be right. Did Jesus show up in 70 A.D.? after this Thessalonians was written, uh, with the destruction of Jerusalem. It, it, that's possible. I, I, you know, I'm, I'm flexible enough for that. However, however, we request you, brethren, with regard to the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together with him, that you not be quickly shaken. Some people say this is the rapture. I disagree with that. I don't think there is a rapture. I think when Jesus Christ comes back, he comes back. And we're, are we going to meet him in the air? Sure, but it's not like we're going to disappear for seven years or ten years or fifty years. Getting ahead of myself. Don't be quickly shaken from your composure or be disturbed either by a spirit or a message or a letter from it to the effect that the day of the Lord has come. Let no one in any way deceive you, for it will not come unless the apostasy comes first and the man of lawless is revealed the son of destruction. This gets to the heart of what I was talking about yesterday. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to spend a little time on this. Okay, he's a guy that's been uh, got a little bit of education in history, like a PhD in history. This time of apostasy is when Christendom turns away from Christ. This time of apostasy is when Christendom turns away from Christ. The time of apostasy is with the rise of the so-called Enlightenment, which is really a darkening. And there's a great falling away of Christendom of the Europeans away from the faith, away from the faith in Jesus Christ. The churches fall away from faith in Jesus Christ. We see that all over today. Not with just the mainline churches, but the evangelicals as well, as far as I'm concerned. The great apostasy has already happened. We've already been living through it for 300 years. We've been living through the apostasy for 300 years. And, and here's one simple fact. Europe used to be called Christendom. It's not any longer. Right there. That ought to tell you something. Europe was called Christendom. It's not any longer. It's the West. It's Europe. It's European values. It's Western values. No, no, no. It was Christendom. It was Christendom. The fact that it's no longer called Christendom ought to tell you that the great apostasy has come. We've already lived through the great apostasy. It's here now. It's been here. We live in an antichrist culture. We live under the antichrist beast. In an antichrist people rules and reigns and rides the beast and directs the beast. It's not coming. It's here, buddy. <clears throat> Let no one in any way deceive you. For it will not come, the, the day of the Lord, the second coming, will not come until the apostasy comes first. 
and the man of lawlessness is revealed the son of destruction. So number one, the apostasy's come. Okay, it's been, it's, uh, Europe has fallen away from the faith. Okay, Christendom is no more. Okay, it, it, the apostasy has happened. And hopefully you and I are members of the remnant, okay? But, but it's not coming, it's here, it's been here. And the Judeo-Christian entity that exists is to a great deal ashamed of Jesus Christ. And I've covered that a lot here at bloodandfaith.com. Ashamed of what Jesus Christ has said. And they substitute Jesus Christ for this other people, an Antichrist people, and they worship this Antichrist people. They literally worship the Antichrist people and bow down and grovel before them and give them everything, that give them every honor, every amount of wealth, every possible thing they can, trying to prove their righteousness. And they're literally Antichrist. The apostasy is there. The deception is there. The man of lawlessness is revealed the son of destruction who opposes and exalts himself above every so-called God or object of worship so that he takes his seat in the temple of God, displaying himself as being God. All right. Everybody's looking for the dude in the nice suit. Everybody's looking for the dude and the, the handsome devil in the nice suit. Got a couple little horns sticking out. Oh, there he is. There he is. There he is. There he is. No, 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 no. This is humanism writ large. The man of lawlessness. And again, if you think uh, the man's coming next week or next month, next year, you may be right. That's fine. That's fine. But I'm telling you, this spirit, the spirit of lawlessness is already here in the form of corporate man. Atheistic Western man. Is that not the watchword for our civilization, our late post-Christian civilization? Man is the measure of all things. We're byproducts of time and chance, and now we're self-directing our evolution. We sit in the temple of God, and we blaspheme in our arrogance, and we, and, and we invert everything. We invent God. We invented God. We invented God to explain the unexplainable, and now that we are so smart, we don't need God anymore. We cast Him aside. This is the arrogance. This is the blasphemy of the beast. This is the spirit of lawlessness. This is the man of lawlessness. The man of lawlessness historically appeared in the Enlightenment. We don't need God anymore. We're enlightened. We've got that. We've taken a bite out of the, of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. We've already got that enlightenment. We've got the wisdom. We don't need God anymore. This is the man of lawlessness. The apostasy has come. The man of lawlessness has come. If you don't believe me, verse 7, for the mystery of lawlessness is already at work is already work. This is written in, I don't know, before 100 AD. The mystery of lawlessness is already at work. So if you can't find fight the mystery of lawlessness, how are you going to fight the man of lawlessness? This is what I'm getting at. You want to believe a man of lawlessness is coming? That's fine. That's fine. I I, I got no, no gripe with that. But if you can't find fight the spirit in the mystery of lawlessness that exists now, how are you going to fight the man of lawlessness if he shows up with his cute little suit? That's what I'm getting at. And I'm telling you, the apostasy has already come. Apostasy is already here. Christendom is no longer. That's why it's not called Christendom any, any longer. It's called, well, the West, the West, the West. That's evidence of the apostasy. You get all the flags of, of my ancestors flying over my ancestral countries. They've got a cross, the cross of Jesus Christ on Sweden, Norway, England. Okay, you got the land of the Germans who are, who are a, a wonderful Christian race. 
a wonderful Christian race. It's gone. Gone. Oh, yeah, they got beautiful cathedrals over there, beautiful churches. But the apostasy has already happened. Historically, it's already happened. And this spirit and this mystery of lawlessness is our, has been at work for 2,000 years. And what I'm saying, church, is let's fight the mystery of lawlessness that's here now and stop waiting for it. Who opposes and exalts himself above every so-called God or object of worship, so he takes a seat in the temple of God, displaying himself as being God. Is that not humanistic, atheistic man today? Absolutely it is. Oh, but there's supposed to be another temple in Jerusalem. There's no more temples in Jerusalem. Oh, there's going to be a third temple. No, if, if it is, it's a temple to Satan. It's not a temple for God. Where does the Holy Spirit dwell? Do, is, are, are not our bodies the temple of the Holy Spirit? This is talking about atheistic man, post-Christendom man. Opposes and exalts himself above every so-called God or object of worship. So he takes his seat in the temple of God, displaying himself as being God. Is that not humanistic, secularist, atheistic man. There is no God. We're byproducts of time and chance. We're going to self-direct our own evolution. This is the arrogance of the beast. It's the arrogance of the man of lawlessness. Verse 5, chapter 2, 2 Thessalonians. Do you not remember that while I was still with you, I was telling you all these things? And now you know what restrains him now? so that in his time he will be revealed. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains it will do so until he's taken out of the way. Then the lawlessness will be revealed when the Lord will slay him with the breath of his mouth and bring to an end by the appearance of his coming. That is, the one whose coming is in accord with the activity of Satan with all power and signs and false wonders. All right, let's refer back to the first chapter here. Verse 6, after it all, it's only just for God to repay with reflection those who afflict you and to give relief, relief from you when the Lord Jesus will be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, dealing out retribution to those who do not know God and those who do not obey the gospel of God. These will pay the penalty of eternal destruction. Verse 8, chapter 2, then the lawless none will be revealed then the lawless one will be revealed whom the Lord will slay with the breath of his mouth and bring to an end by the appearance of his coming. Huh, very interesting, very interesting. The lawlessness, lawless one won't be revealed until the Lord shows up. Oh, really? Verse 8, chapter 2, 2 Thessalonians. Then the lawless one, then the lawless one, lawless one will be revealed whom the Lord will slay with the breath of his mouth and bring to an end by the appearance of his coming. The one whose coming is in accord with the activity of Satan with all the power and signs of false wonders. And with all the deception of wickedness of those who perish because they did not receive the love of the truth so as to be saved. Verse 11, for this reason God will send upon them a deluding influence so they will believe what is false in order that they may be judged who did not believe in the truth but took pleasure in wickedness. Other versions of the Bible talk about a strong delusion, a strong delusion, a strong delusion. We live in the era of the strong delusion. The strong delusion's not coming. The strong delusion's here. The strong delusion is not coming. The strong delusion's already here. The church of Jesus Christ believes that the Antichrist, the Antichrist corporate body, 
who call themselves Jews, but are not, but are liars, but are actually the synagogue of Satan. The church calls them the people of God. That is a strong, strong delusion. That is a very strong delusion to, to look at these people who call themselves Jews, who utterly reject, explicitly reject Jesus Christ, and call them the people of God. That is a very, very, very strong delusion. Extremely strong delusion. They are literally, explicitly anti-Christ in thought, in word, in deed, in, in their very identity. They are literally anti-Christ, and yet the church worships them and calls them the people of God. When Jesus Christ said, look, first of all, you're not even real Jews. You're not, even real, you're not the biological offspring of Israel. You're Satan's synagogue, says Jesus Christ twice. And we have all these seminars in the book of Revelation we can't even read and, and believe what it says. Strong delusion, strong delusion. Another strong, strong delusion in the world today is the theory of evolution, the atheistic theory of evolution, which goes back to the arrogance and the blasphemy of the beast and the arrogance and the blasphemy of the lawless men. We self-emerged out of the universe. We answer to no one. We answer to, we created God and the concept of God. This is the arrogance of, of, of the evolutionists. And now we've achieved consciousness and we're going to self-direct our own evolution. That's where we're at. We're, at, we're there today. And, you know, I, people talk about, uh, uh, you know, genetic, uh, uh, you know, redoing our genetics, causing us to become better, stronger, faster. Remember uh, that, that TV show back in the 70s, Six Million Dollar Man? Seeds were laid long ago. Long ago the seeds were laid. We're going to merge mankind with tech and AI, and we're going to modify his genes to get rid of the diseases and to eliminate death. <coughs> That's the vision. Eternal life, godlike powers, godlike knowledge. This is the blasphemy. This is the arrogance of the beast, the man of lawlessness, the spirit of lawlessness. It's here now. It's not coming. It's here now. The, the strong delusion of evolution, and the churches are silent on it. Churches are silent on evolution. By and large, there's a few that'll have a little seminar, you know, creation seminar. I've been to some of those. We're going to have a creation seminar. And, and they're great. I fully applaud that. But that ought, to be, that ought to be front and center every Sunday. God created the earth in six days. Not seven, six days. He rested on the seventh. Sabbath is, is pre-fall. The principle of obeying the Sabbath comes from before the fall, before the fall of man. That, that should never go away. First commandment points to Jesus Christ. Seventh command, or the, the, the fifth commandment, honor your ancestors. Honoring the Sabbath day, that's, that's long before Moses. That was a law. You honor the seventh day. You honor and you rest on the seventh day. Strong delusion. Strong delusion. Where's the firmament? How come nobody talks about the firmament anymore? A hard dome that separates from the waters from below, from the waters above. Now, nobody talks about that. Oh, we don't believe that. You know, we believe in this and we believe in that. Well, what if all that stuff is a lie? I've been talking to somebody very close to me about that. And, you know, I don't get into it a lot. I get into it just a little bit on some of my Gab feeds or Twitter feeds. But there's questions that, that the church, the pastors are not asking because they don't want to be called this or that or the other. They're terrified. 
I don't think I'll go into it this morning, but I look outside. It's a beautiful day. I live at 39 degrees north latitude. Okay, according to the globe, spinning globe Earth model, I ought to be traveling at 567 miles per hour right at this minute. The Earth should be spinning under my feet at 567 miles per hour at 39 degrees north latitude. You can do the math. Do the math. And I look outside, and the air is perfectly still. Huh, why is that? Why is that? Why is the Earth perfectly still? And, and, and according to the globe Earth model, I'm supposed to be spinning at my latitude 567 miles an hour. Why is that? Is anybody even asking? That's my question. Is anybody even asking these questions? A few are. Oh, they're flat earthers. We can't take them, sir. A grand delusion. Let's read this again. For this reason, God will send upon them a deluding, a grand delusion, a strong delusion, so they will believe what is false. And we read this scripture and we say, oh, well, let's just start, strike this scripture out because we, we really, we really, we understand everything. We know everything. We evolved. We know the moon's up there and, and you know, space is a trillion miles away. And Anybody ask them why we have uh, 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 the uh, air pressure is 31 pounds per square inch at sea level and yet it's right up against a, a perfect vacuum the perfect vacuum of space I said, well how is it how can you have a pressurized system with no system how can you have pressurized gases next to a perfect vacuum with no border no boundary that, that there's, there's nothing scientific about that well because of uh uh gravity what listen listen you can take a pressurized bowl of I don't know, Coca-Cola. Take your little pressurized can of Coca-Cola and remove that boundary, and what does what it happen? Squirts up all over the place. You, you remove that boundary. Forget gravity. Gravity ain't keeping the Coca-Cola in that can. I'm just saying, how come nobody's asking these questions? For this reason, God will send upon them a deluding influence. Other verses say a strong delusion, a strong, strong delusion, strong delusion. A strong delusion. The apostasy is here. The strong delusion is here. It's not coming. The spirit of lawlessness is here. It's not coming. The Antichrist is here. The beast is here. We all are thinking it's coming next week or next month or next year. And I'm telling you, it's been here. In order that they may be judged, who do not believe the truth but took pleasure in wickedness. You know why mankind loves these ideas? <laughs> It's the same thing that, that Satan offered to Eve. Eve, you can figure this out for yourself. You don't need God. You don't need to listen to God or man or even me. Satan says to Eve, you're smart enough to figure it out by yourself. And the answer is right here. They will believe what is false in order that they may be judged who do not believe the truth but took pleasure in, witness, in, in wickedness. We love our moral independence. We love our rebellious state. No, I'm not, I don't answer to anybody. Nobody's going to tell me what to do. So Satan's created a, a worldview that accommodates that. We're self-existing through evolution. Space is infinite. We can self-direct our evolution. We can live forever. There is no sin. There is no original sin. And there certainly is no judgment day. And we accept that because we love our sin. We love our autonomy. We love the fact that we don't have to answer to the Almighty, to the Creator, to specifically to Jesus Christ. 
So we accept the lie because we love our wickedness. In order that they all may be judged who did not believe the truth but took pleasure in wickedness. Verse 13, but we should always give thanks to God for you, brethren, beloved by the Lord, because God has chosen you from the beginning for salvation through the sanctification of the Spirit and the faith in the truth. It was for this he called you through our gospel, that you may gain the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. So then, brethren, stand firm, hold to the traditions which you, you were taught, whether by word of mouth or letter for us. Now, this is a good verse. I like this verse. 2 Thessalonians 2, verse 15. Hold fast for the traditions which you were taught, whether by word of mouth or by letter from us. All right, because you've heard me talk about how the Jews elevated the traditions of men and the precepts of the elders above the word of God, and they did that. That's Matthew chapter 15, verses 1 through 9. Yet here Paul is saying, hey, look, even oral traditions are good. How do we know? Well, listen, your oral traditions better not exceed the written word of God. You got a tradition that you're going to uh, sing the Psalms at church? Sing the Psalms at church. You have an oral tradition? I, I love the Book of Common Prayer. I love the Book of Common Prayer. You know why? Because you can't screw up the Scriptures. The Book of Common Prayer is 90% Holy Scriptures. I was raised in the Anglican Church, the Episcopalian Church. I love that. I love that book. It, 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 you can't screw it up because it's 90% Holy Scripture. But it's a tra using the Book of Common Prayer is a, is a tradition. And I love that tradition. You know, putting on the vestments. Uh, wonderful, wonderful oral traditions. Uh, but none of them exceed the written Word of God. That's the problem that the Jews had. They exceeded the written Word of God. Matthew chapter 15. Now, may the Lord Jesus Christ Himself and God our Father, who has loved us and give us eternal comfort by good hope, by grace, comfort and strengthen the hearts in every one, in every work and word. Chapter 3. Finally, brethren, pray for us that the word of the Lord will spread rapidly and be glorified, just as it did also among you. Okay? So who are they praying for? You're praying for peace for the church. You're praying for the preachers that the word of God would spread. You're not praying for the dusty city in Jerusalem. That city is over. Gone. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. There's no more. There's no third temple. The third temple is the body of Jesus Christ, the, 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 the corporate body of the church of God in Christ. It's not some temple in a dusty city. Not some rock temple in a dusty city. Another grand illusion. Grand illusion. Oh, they is modern Israel are the people of God. No, they're not. They're, they're, they're the children of the devil. They're converts from Kazarians and Edomites. And they're literally Antichrist. We have confidence in the Lord concerning you that you are doing and will continue to do what we command. May the Lord direct your hearts into the love of God, into the steadfastness of Christ. And then Paul goes on to talk about lazy people that won't work. I, Paul, write this greeting with my own hand. And this is a distinguishing mark in every letter. This is the way I write. The grace of our Lord.